Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Are you ready for the postseason, baby? Welcome to the first ever postseason edition of Rico Bronia. Hopefully one of many, many, many an episode. Pete Hoffman, Evan Roberts, we are getting you ready for the wild card series between the New York Mets and the San Diego Padres. I will say this, when the Mets were in the wild card game back in 2016, it did not truly feel like the playoffs. And I think there were a few reasons why to me, I still look back at it six years later and say, yeah, it really wasn't the playoffs. I think A, it being only one game. B, it was on the heels of going to a World Series, so we had just experienced the real postseason. To go to a one-game playoff, essentially, it never felt real, never felt like the postseason. We haven't played the wild card series yet, and who knows if it will be two games, three games, win, lose, I have no idea. But it already feels a little bit different. And I think there are two reasons why it feels different. Number one, it's not just one game. It's a series, even though it's a mini series. And number two, we didn't just experience the World Series like we did in 2016. We're thirsty. We're at the end of this Sahara Desert of crappy baseball, and we're so excited that we get relevant postseason baseball. Hopefully it lasts. Hopefully it's not a two-day or three-day excursion. Hopefully this is the one of many, many steps. But I could already tell you off the top, the wild card series does feel very different than the wild card game. Do you agree with that sentiment, Pete? Uh, no question. I mean, like, like we've, you've said it, I've said it, that banner should be taken down. I don't even want to look at it. And not to mention, we looked at, I reviewed the lineup that we put out uh, for that wild card <laughs> game. And my God, that wasn't a playoff team. I'm sorry. No, it really wasn't. I mean, it is kind of funny. When you look back at A, the roster, and you look back at that lineup they put up against Madison Bumgarner, you say to yourself, wait a second, was that really a postseason team? It was It was amazing they made the postseason because of all the injuries that they were dealing with. And I think because of the success they had the prior year, I think we had a naivete that if, hey, they could just get to the postseason, maybe they'll go on some kind of crazy run just like 2015, but they weren't equipped for that. Not Even if they had won that game against the San Francisco Giants, it was very likely that postseason run was going to end very quickly against the Chicago Cubs. This is different, obviously. This is a team that's coming off of 101 wins. We have the two aces, supposedly. Let's go. Now, let me – we address the rotation decision or what appears to be the rotation decision from Buck Showalter that he's going to start Max Scherzer in game one. And then there'll be a pause in determining how they want to handle game two. If they lose game one, you obviously come back with Jacob DeGrom in game two. If you win game one, you can hold off on Jake and use Chris Bassett. This is a strategy we had talked about many times. We've talked about it before. I'm 
I'm not surprised. I'm frustrated by some of the things being said and criticizing this over the last 24 hours from baseball guys I respect. Like I just read a Ken Rosenthal athletic article in which he never, and I heard this a lot on our own radio station today, no one's actually saying why it's a bad idea. No one's actually saying why it's not a good idea. All I keep hearing are the same phrases and code words. You're just trying to be too cute. Why screw around? Why look ahead? When none of that is actually true. You're not looking ahead. Jacob deGrom is going to pitch in the wild card series if need be. At least that's my intent. Uh, obviously, Buck Showalter can do something completely different than what we've talked about. But you are not putting yourself in a situation where Jacob deGrom doesn't pitch again. This is not a Zach Britton situation for Buck Showalter. So I keep hearing you're being too cute. And I always want to ask, like, what is being so cute about? Like, I don't understand. I'm trying to be open-minded to understanding those I disagree with. I do that very well when it comes to politics. I, I listen to what the other side says. And even if I don't agree with them, I say, okay, I see where you're coming from. I have tried my best to listen to the other side. And I don't know if it's just wanting to be a disagreement or wanting to disagree because you want to disagree. I have no idea. I don't understand your side. The Mets are not saving Jacob deGrom for the NLDS. They're not. If they happen to win two games, yes, he'll be ready for the NLDS game one. But there is no scenario, unless he's hurt, which is the caveat to all of this, there is no scenario where Jacob deGrom doesn't pitch for the New York Mets in the postseason. And I think where people are struggling, and I will try to help them out. So if you're listening to this podcast and you say, Evan, I disagree with you. Okay, I'm going to try this one last time. We haven't had a best of three before. So if you ever bring up Don Drysdale and Sandy Koufax or Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling or any other lethal combination in baseball history and utter the phrase, would you do it with those guys? I would very calmly and politely tell you there was never a chance to do it with those guys because there was never a best of three series. No, Bobby Cox never had a chance to say, hey, I've got Maddox, Smoltz, Clavin. I know they had three guys. Let me hold one off. It's a best of three. It's not a best of seven. It's not a best of five. It's different. So I don't understand the hard-headedness of this. This is not something you can compare to from 10 years ago because there is no 10 years ago. It's a best of three series. And so what's unique about a best of three as compared to a best of five or a best of seven is usually the reason you want your best pitcher starting in game one or game two is so that they could pitch again in the series so you can maximize them. There's no opportunity to do that in a best of three. You're pitching once. So I'm trying to not get frustrated because I totally like good sports debates, but I'm being totally honest with you. I don't understand people who think this is stupid. I don't understand people who say, and this phrase I heard 800 times today, every time I hear it, I want to have a drink. Stop being so cute. What does that mean? Stop being so cute. It's a strategy. 
DeGrom will pitch when you need him to pitch. If he doesn't pitch this weekend, that's a success. That's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with it. So Ken Rosenthal, and I bring him up only because I respect him. Like Ken Rosenthal is a good baseball guy. How Ken Rosenthal can write a prose featuring what are the Mets doing? Are they hiding an injury? The analytics department. That's the other thing. I always hear that when someone disagrees. It's the analytics department. The analytics. It's not analytics. It's, hey, it's best of three. I have this really smart strategy. So if you disagree with me, tweet angrily at me. That's fine. But I will tell you this. I put out a poll two days ago and I said, hey, and I used DeGrom instead of Scherzer. That one's interchangeable, and that's kind of a different discussion on who pitches game one and who you hold back. I said, hey, if you win game one, would you hold back that second ace and pitch Chris Bassett? And I'm proud of Twitter because 8,000 people voted, a pretty good amount of people, and 55%, good amount of people, said, yeah, hold that some bitch back. So I do feel good that I think most people understand this and are not confused by shiny objects and aren't like this doesn't it ain't that freaking complicated i don't see the other side pete what say you Uh, i mean i'm a hundred percent on board with you on all of what you said i've heard the argument how can you you know, not pitch him game two. How can you not pitch the Grom game two? What happens if he gets shelled in game three? Like, you're, like, relying on him on in game three, and he gets shelled. I'm like, is that the same thing if he gets shelled in game two? Like, what the hell is the difference? If he gets shelled, he gets shelled. But the point is, is that if you have a victory with Scherzer, and you can win game two with Bassett, which I 100% feel that Chris Bassett can give the New York Mets a victory, at home versus San Diego Padres, and I think Buck Showalter does too. Why wouldn't you take that risk-reward factor where you could sweep him in two games? Yes, sweep in two games. That's a possibility in this playoff scenario, and then save the ground for game one and potentially have him for a game five if need be. It's freaking obvious. But, uh, again, like you said, people are being too cute with their uh, synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> well said. I think that it's going to take time. This is a brand new format. I understand that. It's new for all of us. I mean, we got used to a wild card game for the last decade. I know we had the wild card series in 2020. I think that one is almost just too weird to count. It was such a strange season. We had a 60 game season. So even though we had a wild card series in 2020, I kind of equate that to how we had a divisional series in 1981, 14 years before the actual divisional series. Uh, This is the first one. And I think sometimes with firsts, you're digesting different strategies one could have. And I don't think this is a bad strategy. I think it's a smart strategy. And I warn anybody, if the Mets lose this series, if DeGrom gets bombed in game three or bombed in game two or whatever happens, they would not have lost this series because of this strategy. It would be an easy, convenient thing to rip, but it wouldn't be based on any fact. Like, they would lose because that guy didn't pitch well. Like, you're just debating the order of your three pitchers. We all agree that the three starting pitchers, if three games are needed to be played, would be Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom, and Chris Bassett. And obviously the hope is they're going to pitch a lot better than what happened in Atlanta a week ago. The only discussion here is the order of how you do it. 
So if those guys fail preemptively and the Mets lose this series and we're all devastated, if anyone says they lost because of this strategy, they're being disingenuous and they're just saying something that's not true. This strategy is not going to cost the Mets anything. Uh, If the Mets lose, it'll be because they lose. Uh, One other thing I'm trying to digest, because I admit this is all new, best of three, is how to construct this roster. I think when it was a wild card game and you had your own roster for a wild card game and then you could reset it for the divisional series, it was kind of easy. You're building your roster for one game. So the amount of pitchers on your roster and the amount of starting pitchers you could leave off your roster was easier to digest because it's one game. Uh, Obviously, you put a couple of starting pitchers in your bullpen just in case, in case the game goes extra innings. Remember, the runner on second rule is gone for the postseason in case anybody is confused by that. That does not happen. If they play a 10th inning, there is no runner on second base. So there's a chance these games could go 15, 16 innings. We're talking about three games, though, instead of one. So I'm just going to give you my opinion. I could be dead wrong on what the Mets decide to do. I'm just telling you, this is how I think I would handle things. I would, because I have Scherzer, and because I have DeGrom, and because I have Bassett, who I know didn't go particularly deep in the series in Atlanta, but in general, are guys that should go deep in the games, I would love to try to manage only having 11 pitchers on my roster, which means you've got 15 position players, which means you have six guys coming off of your bench. And the reason why I would love to do that is, hey, I don't think you need more than that. I don't think you need more than 11 pitchers. I don't. You've got three starting pitchers. That means you've got eight guys coming out of your bullpen. And number two, because this is a you know, relatively platoon team, and I'm assuming no Starling Marte, by the way, for the sake of this, because I know he's gripping things, as Billy Epler said. <laughs> that was weird. I, does that mean he can hit? Does that mean you could put him on this roster and expect him to play? I don't. So now, whoever's playing right field, whether it's Guillerme at second, McNeil and right, or it's Naquin and right, those guys are prime pinch hit candidates. The DH is a prime pinch hit candidate. The catcher is a prime pinch hit candidate. So you have three spots in your lineup that are absolute candidates to be pinch hit for. You also have a third catcher, and I think that's how Alvarez should be viewed here. James McCann should be on the postseason roster. For anyone who says, get him off the roster, Alvarez can catch. Look, I dislike James McCann as a baseball player as much as anybody. I don't think, I just don't think right now it's smart to look at Alvarez as not only the right-handed DH against, you know, breaks Blake Snell in game two, but as your backup catcher. I'm not a fan of that. Can he catch in the right situation? Sure. Could this make Buck more aggressive in pinch hitting for both Nito and McCann, maybe in the same game? Absolutely. I got no problem with that. I suggested that about a month and a half ago. I think in a series like this, where you don't need that many pitchers, you really don't, um, that you could have six guys on your bench. So see, so you, so you, so you say to yourself, okay, six guys on your bench. It, for the sake of this discussion, to make it not as confusing. Uh, Vogel backs your DH, Guillerme at second, McNeil in right, just so you can think with me, okay, who's coming off the bench? Number one, Terrence Gore is coming off the bench. Let's get that right out of the way. Terrence Gore, pinch run specialist on the bench. We're up to one. The backup catcher, we'll call him James McCann. That's number two. 
Francisco Alvarez as the right-handed DH. We'll call him number three. (coughs) Excuse me. Tyler Naquin. I know. He strikes out a million times. He's number four. Oh, now you're thinking to yourself, okay. I got two bench spots. Mark Vientos. Why the hell not? Bench spot number five. And then it leads you to, is it crazy for Dom Smith to be the sixth guy? And and look, I know Dom hasn't been up in a long time, but a part of why he hasn't been up is you haven't been able to have as deep of a bench as you could potentially have in a series like this because it's only best of three. So is Dom the guy you go with? Can you put Starling Marte on the roster and say, look, let's put him on the roster. Maybe he can pinch run because gripping things doesn't matter if you want another guy who can come off your bench and run. And maybe by game two or by game three, even if he's not starting, maybe he can get an at-bat. Maybe he can get two at-bats. So I think that's where you give yourself the wiggle room of, hey, maybe Starling Marte can be on a roster because I just don't think with DeGrom and Scherzer and Bassett, you need to load up with that many pitchers. You've got three guys right off the top that are definitely on the roster. So let's fill out the other eight slots. Let's think about it. Let's say Walker or Carrasco. Trevor Williams is not going to be on the postseason roster for this first round because he just threw a million pitches in game 162. So you need a long man, Carrasco or Taiwan Walker. Take your freaking pick, okay? I don't necessarily think you need both guys, so you pick one guy. So for the sake of this, Let's say Carlos Carrasco. That's number one. Then you've got Edwin Diaz, obviously, number two. Adam Adovino, three. Seth Lugo, four. You may not like this. Both David Peterson and Joely Rodriguez gets you to six. Joely Rodriguez, good numbers against Juan Soto. Keep an eye on that. Drew Smith gets you to seven. Trevor May gets you to eight. Plus the three starters, we're at 11. Did I add right? Hold on a second. DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett, Carrasco, Diaz, Adovino, Lugo, May, Peterson, Rodriguez, Smith. That gets you to 11. You're keeping Michael Givens off the roster. Okay, the guy's barely pitched. There's your, there's your bullpen. And you've just given yourself 11 guys. That gives you 15 position players. That gives you six guys off the bench. Do you really need any more pitchers than the 11 guys I just mentioned? I don't think you do. I don't think you do now. But Evan, what if Max Scherzer gets knocked out in the second inning? What if DeGrom gets knocked out in the second inning? Folks, if those two bastards get knocked out in the second inning, we're effed. I mean, let's just be honest about it. We're pretty effed. So my opinion, I'm not sure Billy Epler is going to do this. I'm not sure Buck Showalter is going to do this. I like the idea of 11 pitchers and 15 position players. Uh, I like the idea with this team of giving Buck Showalter the ability to be aggressive pinch hitting. Six guys off your bench allows you to do that. Having a third catcher allows you to do that. Now, you got to be careful in game two of this series, Alvarez DHs, which means if he's your third catcher and you are pinch hitting for your catcher twice, you could very well lose the DH spot. So it may not be as easy to do that in game two as it would be in game one or would potentially in game three when they're throwing you Darvish and they're throwing Joe Musgrove to right-handed pitchers. So 
I like that idea. I like having a more loaded bench because this is a a roster right now, a lineup right now that I think should feature the quick strike if you're Buck Showalter based on matchups. Uh, you Darvish goes deep into games, so there's a pretty good chance the San Diego Padre formula is they're not mixing and matching in the fifth inning. If they are mixing and matching in the fifth inning, that's good news for us. Cause that, that means you Darvish has somehow been knocked out of this game. And you Darvish has been an innings eater, and we know about his success against the Mets. So that's how I would structure this roster. The idea of Dom Smith being on the roster, which I, I saw trending this morning. I'm not saying anything crazy. I'm not suggesting Dom Smith should be the DH or should even be guaranteed at bats. But if you're going to go with a six-man bench and have a deeper bench than the Mets have had in a very long time, he's on the taxi squad. Like, he's there for a reason. I don't think he would then be on the division series roster where you're going to need pitching or the LCS roster where you're going to need five starters. God forbid the Mets are there. We'll be so freaking happy. But the off-day schedule there means you're going to have five starting pitchers. That's just the reality. Uh, So I think the way you structure your roster in the LCS and the DS is going to be far different than in a wild card series where there's only three starting pitchers. That's it. So that's how I would structure the roster. What are your thoughts on that, Pete? I I said this uh, earlier today, and I'm agreeing. You're not going to go heavy on pitching. And I'd actually elect not to have Carrasco all work Walker on there. I I I know that that could be scary because it puts you in a situation. But like you said, if you're in a situation where you have to go to a long reliever in Carrasco or Walker, you're in a bad spot no matter what. I guess David Peterson being there, not saying I'm comfortable with him, but that could he could he could lengthen it out. I wouldn't put McGill in there. I I would put Givens on there. I think for the most part, besides that one game, the first game he started pitching, he kind of got into a groove. I know he came off of COVID. I know he's been off for a little bit. He didn't look bad the other day when he pitched that one inning. I know it's not enough, but I I, I would almost lean towards him to being on there because he's been effective as of, <laughs> as of recent. And the other thing is, if it's not Dom Smith, because right. I'm I'm all about going heavy uh, on uh, on the bench. If it's not not Dom Smith, who else is it? I, I, I'm not saying I want Dom Smith, but I don't know. They're not this deep team that we once thought they were because – Marte being there would have changed everything. But since he's not around, and I, I can't put him out there to be like, oh, you're a pinch runner today. You know what? He's going to slide. He's going to break his finger again, and we don't have him for the next year. <laughs> yeah. I can't That's have it. That's a good it, way to look at things. I can't you, have it. You are right. There aren't a lot of options. Like, if you want to go six-man bench, and you don't want Starling Marte on that roster, though, if you think he's close, like, if you think, hey, he could be back in a day or two, I know this is such a brief series. This is not a seven-game series where you're thinking more long-term. You're, it's a weekend. That's really what this is. This could be over Saturday, but the longest it goes till Sunday. But if you think, wow, he could be back in a day, then I think you do kind of put him on the roster with the thought of, I may not use him Friday, but I could have him Saturday. I, I don't know if Starling Marte is that close, though. Can I, mean, I be one of, can I be one of those guys real quick? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be that doctor. Uh, so I broke my finger about two years ago. It took me six months to heal, to feel like comfortable and start gripping things normally again and feeling. <laughs> I Listen, I don't know how bad his injury is. If he's not gripping a bat and feeling good, it ain't happening in three days. I'm it sorry. probably isn't. It probably isn't. No, I think you're right. Uh, the reason I counter this about the Walker Carrasco thing, while if DeGrom, Scherzer, or Bassett got knocked out early, 
you could piece together with your regular bullpen arms, Trevor May, Michael Givens, Seth Lugo. You could certainly piece that thing to the seventh or eighth inning. You don't have to worry about pinch hitting for a pitcher, so you can maximize the amount of outs they get. I agree with that, but you have to keep in mind that you could be looking at an extra inning game. And if you're looking at an extra inning game without a runner being put on second base and two very low-scoring teams, or potentially this is a low-scoring series. I know the Mets and Padres scored plenty of runs this season. But if you are looking at a 2-2 game in the 10th and you just used five different pitchers to piece it together, you want to have a long guy. And I guess David Peterson could also be that guy. But I also think David Peterson, in a lineup, where the Padres feature a couple of prominent left-hand hitters, specifically Juan Soto, but even Jake Cronenworth. There are left-hand hitters in this lineup. I view Peterson more as a guy that may come in to get an out or two than a guy that's my long man. So I don't think you have to put both Walker and Carrasco on the roster, but I would want to have one of them, even if they never get into a game in this series, just in case. You know, you're in the 11th inning of a tie game and you've just used a bunch of guys in your bullpen you know, being able to put Carlos Carrasco out there who could very well give you six innings out of the bullpen and take it to the 18th inning should be an option. You want to at least have it as an option. And remind me here, because this is the one thing I forget about the, 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 the playoff rounds. If someone gets hurt, how does that work? Like, say, for example, God forbid, DeGrom really does have a blood blister and he can't go on a, on, on a Sunday for whatever reason, right? If, he, if they need someone else to replace him, does he have to go on the IL technically? He misses like, a round, if I'm not mistaken. So if you put a guy in, and I think because it's only a three-game series, the Mets would probably not even feel the need to replace a guy on their roster. I think it's easier to hide that in a best-of-three series. While in a best-of-seven, you know, you lose a guy in game two, you're going to get that guy off the roster. But what ends up happening is to replace an injured player on a roster, you would lose them for the following round as well. So I don't think it really applies as much in this series because you probably can hide that. By the way, speaking of injuries, and I always think it's going to be in the back of our mind, and we heard about the blood blister with Jacob deGrom. I think there is a hesitation that some of us have wondering, is this the strategy that Buck is using that we I agree with and most of us agree with, or are they really concerned about an injury to deGrom? Because Buck did say the blood blister played a role in the decision. Not that it was a major role, not that he couldn't have started Friday, but when you have two great options like Scherzer and DeGrom, the tiebreaker could have been blood blister because Scherzer did say something interesting the other day. I've made it known to you, everyone who would listen, that Scherzer's ability to pitch on short rest is a factor on why I would give him the edge over DeGrom in game one of this series. You want to bring him back on short rest. uh, That opens up possibilities in the following round. Max has said, even though he doesn't feel compromised by the side issue, that maybe he won't be able to do as many crazy playoff things as he's done in the past, which is coming out of the bullpen on short rest. And I don't think the Mets necessarily, it's weird to say this about their bullpen because I think we would have said something very different a month ago, but performance matters. I don't think the Mets right now need to be desperate to use Max Scherzer out of the bullpen. Not yet. Now, maybe we'll feel differently in the league championship series, but I'm not there yet with him. I think with Scherzer and even with DeGrom, the option would be more, hey, can I bring him back on short rest? Can he come out, even if it's not a seven-inning performance, and give me five really good innings in a three-day rest situation? 
that's the thing that matters more to me than, hey, can Max come out of the bullpen and pitch the seventh inning on two days rest like he did a couple of years ago? Well, that's the that's the dream. That's like the we've seen it not firsthand exactly, but the year prior to the Mets going to the World Series where the Giants went and Bumgarner had this magical playoff run in him where he literally was like pitching almost every game it felt like. That's what you feel like you would like to get out of this Mets started pitching, but that's that's irresponsible nowadays. These guys are older. Again, Degrom has been injured. He hasn't done short rest, so that that's impossible. I honestly, I just want him to start on short rest. I don't need him to come out of the bullpen on short rest. Well, and you know what else is very different that I think allows you right now to say, you know what, that isn't necessary. Edwin Diaz, you, you're talking about a guy who's had a historically good season. He had a one point three one ERA. We saw Buck use him aggressively in the regular season to get five outs, to even get six outs. So I would ask this question. If Buck Showalter was willing to have Edwin Diaz get six outs in the regular season, what would he be willing to do Friday night at City Field? And what I mean by that is, let's say the Mets have a four to three lead and there's two outs and two on in the seventh inning and the batter is Juan Soto. Now, I know Joely Rodriguez has very good numbers against Juan Soto, but ask yourself something. Are you going to Joely Rodriguez, or are you saying, you know what, F this. I'm going to Edwin Diaz, and I'll worry about the eighth and ninth inning when I get there. And let's say he comes in, and he strikes out Juan Soto. And now it's the eighth inning. Soto just struck out to end the seventh. And now Edwin Diaz is pitching the eighth inning. And let's say he goes out there, pitches a one, two, three inning, but he throws 17 pitches. And now he's gotten four outs. And now the ninth inning is coming up. Aren't you saying, uh, you know what, Edwin? Go, go get me three more outs. Like, I know it may sound crazy to say, boy, you're going to ask Edwin Diaz to get seven outs. I don't think you're necessarily doing it in the moment, but you're saying, hey, game's on the line in the seventh inning. Let me go, let me go to my best reliever, let him go get a big out. And I'll figure things out as it goes on. And could it turn into a seven-out save for Edwin Diaz? It could. And maybe that's the crazy postseason stuff that the Mets can use from their bullpen as opposed to a 38-year-old Max Scherzer pitching the seventh inning on two days rest. And here's the truth about Scherzer out of the bullpen on short rest. There have been mixed results to it. It's not like he's come out every time and he's dominated. There's been mixed results. But between Adam Adovino, who as much as maybe we're nervous about him, Adam Adovino pitched 65 innings this season. He threw more innings than Edwin Diaz. He had a 206 ERA. Like Adam Adovino has earned the opportunity to come in and face Manny Machado with guys on base in the seventh or eighth inning. So I think between Diaz and between Adovino, and look, Lugo's had his up and down moments, but Seth Lugo's got real good numbers against Manny Machado. You have to look at these matchups. What do they actually mean? They may not mean anything. Manny Machado could go hit a three-run bomb off of him. Obviously, it's all on the table. But I think the Mets, much to our surprise, have a bullpen that's pitched well enough where I don't think the Grom and Scherzer need to be asked necessarily to do crazy stuff out of the pen. Starting on short rest, that's a little bit different. That's the thing that... I think if this run continues, and obviously there's going to be no short rest in this series, this is just three games, but moving forward, yeah, it becomes an option. Um, 
So we'll see. Hopefully it's something that really, really do need to discuss in the divisional series or the league championship series. But for now, I'll tell you this, man, they have as well rested a bullpen as they could possibly have. Edwin Diaz barely pitched in September because when the Mets were winning, they were winning by a lot. And when they were losing, they were losing by a lot. Like there just weren't that many opportunities for Edwin Diaz to come into games. So hopefully he's not flat, but it would not surprise me if Buck is asking Edwin Diaz to get a crazy amount of outs to win a game one, win a game two, or dare I say, win a game three. Dude, I'm sorry that that term should be erased from our, our, our mind right now of Edwin Diaz and flat because coming into Atlanta, I know it wasn't a closing situation, but that that was a hostile environment, dude. That was the the, the lights went down. It that that was actually a very sick and entertaining moment to have Edwin Diaz walk out in that type of fashion. Like I'm a UFC fan. That's how most fighters walk out to the cage. <laughs> is the lights go out, the 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 some sort of crazy graphic or some kind of crazy thing like that happens, music comes on. It's sick. Like Edwin Diaz, I'm not even going to think twice about it. He's ready. And like, I know he hasn't pitched much in September, but he's been lights out in every single scenario. I'm not, I'm not worried about him at all. I will say this, though. If he does go in the seventh inning, which I would go as early as the seventh inning with him, whether it's one out, two outs, zero outs, I have no problem pitching him back in the eighth, and the ninth we'll just figure it out. You're right. If Adam Adevito is still available, you go. You got got to go him there, and I feel comfortable with that. And the other reason why I completely agree with you, and we've seen Buck do that, is you at least open up the possibility that your offense bombs, you know, Tim Hill in the eighth inning. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you're going to a guy in the seventh inning, and, but you don't know what the score is going to be going to the top of the ninth inning. You give your offense an opportunity to break that game open. Obviously, game stays close. Yeah, you may ask Edwin Diaz to do something crazy and get seven or eight outs. Mariano Rivera... And I'm not comparing the two guys, obviously. Mariano Rivera is the greatest closer of all time. But Mariano Rivera was a great example of Joe Torre saying, okay, no more messing around. I'm going to Mariano Rivera. And more times than not, it obviously worked. The only time I could remember, and I'd have to look this up, that Mariano Rivera got more than six outs, because he got six outs a lot. The only time I think I ever remember him getting more than six outs was the Aaron Boone game. And that was not a safe situation, obviously. That was an extra inning game in which it just would never end. But I'm going to look this up because I do find it fascinating. Because we're talking about, hey, could uh, Edwin Diaz get seven outs in a postseason game? Can he get an eight-out save? The greatest closer of them all, Mariano Rivera, if I'm not mistaken. And his postseason numbers are obviously absurd. We've all seen it. I mean, more guys have walked on the moon than hit home runs against Mariano Rivera in the postseason. But as often as he was asked to get, and I'm not going to include his first ever playoff appearance in game two of the 95 ALDS, because that was not Mariano Rivera. He was still a converted starting pitcher when he got 10 outs that day. So that one, I don't count. Starting in 1996. Yeah, he got eight outs in 1996 right off the top. But this is before he was a closer, but still got eight outs in 1996. When he becomes closer in 1997, a four-out save, a four-out save, six outs, five outs, four outs, five outs, six outs, six outs, six outs. A lot of six-out saves. God, this guy's a freaking machine. Oh, my God. Routinely get six-out saves. Uh, 
Yeah, that's the only one I see. Dude, that he, was he. He had nine outs that game. Not 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 like you know two and a third. He had nine. Yeah, he had three innings, three full, three innings. full innings. Yeah, that was it. That was the only one. Three full innings in Game Seven of the Aaron Boone game. Three scoreless innings, and then goes out in Game Three of the World Series. Six out save. The amount of six out saves he got is absurd. But was never asked to get seven outs. I I think Buck does it with an eye on. I'll figure out the ninth inning if I get there. And if Diaz is economical and is dominating the way he has all season long, he definitely has the possibility to do it. Um, I do think that as Met fans in our DNA, there's a part of us that are scared of Edwin Diaz, that this is going to be the moment he completely falls apart, which, look, it can happen to anybody in the postseason, but I think Diaz has done so much this season and has been so dominant this season And even when he has had his off nights, he has found a way to still get a save that he may break our heart ultimately, but Edwin Diaz has earned our trust. He has. And that gets me to this team. Where I'm so mixed going into this series is that, and I mentioned this the other day when we did our season recap, this season was a great season or a very good season. I don't like to use great. A very good season. They won 101 games. They showed fight all season long. A lot of great comeback victories, yet what unfortunately defines them right now is they had a ten and a half game lead. As absurd as I think the ten and a half game example is, that's out there. That defines them, and they ultimately didn't win the division, and that's why they have to play in a wild card series. And they came up very, very small at the latter part of the year against teams they should beat, but really in the three game series against Atlanta. And so, what I wrestle with and trying to figure out what's going to happen this weekend is one side of me says, F, this team won 101 games. They were down 7-1 to the Philadelphia Phillies. Look at all these great comebacks, all these great wins, all the time this team showed fight and camaraderie. This feels like a championship-caliber team. Not a perfect team, but it feels like a championship-caliber team. So that's the side of me that says, It can't end here. Can't end in a three-game series against the Padres. It can't. But then the other side of me, the negative side of me, thinks about how I felt and how we all felt watching those three games in Atlanta. Watching this offense fail to get big hits. Watching this offense and its superstars fail to drive in runs and hit the ball over the freaking fence. And watch all three starting pitchers who may pitch in this series fail. First, it was DeGrom. Then it was Scherzer. Then it was Bassett. And we were sitting there helplessly for nine and a half hours over three nights watching our baseball team lose to a team that we looked at and said, wow, they're better than us now. Did the final numbers say they were better than us? The Mets and Braves won the same amount of games. The Braves won the season series by a game. I know what the numbers say. We all know what the numbers say. But when you sat there last weekend watching Mets Braves, did any of us think, oh, we're just as good as this team? No, we got our asses kicked. And the best players came up small, all of them, outside of Jeff McNeil. All of them came up small. And so that's the part of me that scares me. Because it wasn't six months ago where that happened. It wasn't a month ago when that happened. It was a week ago. 
a week to the day of Jacob DeGrom opening that series, we're all going to have our asses clenched, clenched, watching Mets Padres game one of the wild card series. A week later, that ain't a lot of time. So I'm not being negative. I know people think that. I just told you the positive about how good this team was this season. But it is fresh in my brain, just like it's fresh in everyone's brain, that they just came up so small in such a big spot. And so what I need and what you need is for the New York Mets to cleanse themselves quickly. And here's what I mean by that. Matt Scherzer pitches a 1-2-3 inning, and the Mets score five runs against Hugh Darvish in the bottom of the first inning. You do that, we'll be cleansed. You do that, our view will change. But the reason I'm so mixed, I'm not telling you the Mets are going to lose. I'm not telling you the Mets are going to win. I ain't in the freaking prediction business. We're in the analysis talk show host fan business. But right now, it is very difficult to have optimism. We'll be back after game two of the wild card series and after this series is over. You can listen to Beningo and I Saturday at 10 a.m. But right now, my son is freaking out and he wants me. And the reason he's freaking out is because he's scared like I am about this series. Thank you for listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.